the South of the Six podcast, bringing you the latest on your favorite Toronto sports teams from south of the Canadian border. Here's your host, Adam Corsair. So leave it to the Toronto Blue Jays for getting us all amped up after a home run derby and then concluding or almost concluding the month of July in shitty fashion. Welcome to the South of the Six podcast. We are part of the stadium scene.tv network and part of the Overtime Media crew. We are in mid-baseball season form, and the Blue Jays, well, after dropping three of four to the Red Sox, it could be better. But joining me to discuss all things Toronto Blue Jays is Richard Burfer of Pitch to Contact, and dude, pretty much everything else, you're everywhere. What's going on, man? Hey, dude, I'm, I'm doing okay. You know, just kind of waiting to see home run derby Vladdy in the second half of the season. How are you? <laughs> um, I'm doing all right. It's, uh, I don't know, man. It, it's, this is the time of year, especially when it comes to, to the Blue Jays. It's just like, you're, you're over the home run derby. You're over the all-star game. You know that there's nothing really there to capture your interest in terms of a playoff aspiration. Um, it's difficult to really rally behind this team, but when you have a bunch of youth prospects coming up in the system, and we're going to talk about Bobochet in a bit, but I don't know. I guess you can be excited about that, but it is discouraging to see them lose a bunch. Mm-hmm. Wasn't the home run derby just such a tease for us? <laughs> like it, it's horrible. And now we're back in reality, and we're playing the Yankees, and we're playing the Red Sox, and everything sucks, and all of our pitchers suck. But I, I, I just kind of think that the fans who, who have been sticking around for the entire season just got to keep staying with the course. The young guys are going to be coming up. They're going to be getting their reps where it matters on the major league level. And, uh, yeah, we'll compete in 2021. I hope so. And, you know, it's I think the home run derby, it was sort of therapeutic, right, for a lot of Toronto sports fans. Mm-hmm. Um Especially with, you know, this is a Raptors talk, but with Kawhi leaving, it was the perfect thing at the perfect time, right? We needed that sense of reassurance that, you know, everything's going to be okay. But right now, um, if we're going to talk about pretty much Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and how he's been, um, it's pretty much night and day from how he performed at the Home Run Derby. Uh, You mentioned it, you're waiting to see that form round. Um, It hasn't been looking good. In fact, since the Home Run Derby, um, his line is underwhelming, and that's putting it politely. 143, 182, 143, with an OPS of 325. What say ye? Concerned? That's kind of rough. Yeah, <laughs> um, but I think um, because we were watching Vladdy the first half of the season, and like there were times where we just see him do stuff, and we're like, "Oh my god, this guy can just be so good." But overall, we haven't really seen him just blow up like many of us expected him to, just based on what we've seen him do in the minors. Like we more so have seen guys like Kevin Biggio and Lourdes Gurriel Jr. and even Danny Jansen at the end of uh, the first half of the season just really start to turn it up, but. With a guy like Vladdy, and you mentioned how the home run derby was kind of therapeutic, I think it also showed just how special a talent Vladdy Guerrero is. Because, like, you see the tools that, like, the raw tools that he was showing at the derby, and you just got to be excited. Like, what I think people don't realize, and they put Vladdy on such a high pedestal, but this dude is still, like, 19, 20 years old. Yeah. There's still baby fat there. He's going to get stronger. He's still going to mature a little bit physically. He's going to keep getting better. And 
I think we expected a little too much from a guy like Vladdy. Like, you see guys like Lourdes Gurriel uh, really performing. We see guys like Kevin Biggio performing. These dudes are 23, 24 years old. They're four years older than Vladdy Guerrero Jr. And I think we got to temper our expectations a little bit. But just seeing him in the home run derby just shows what kind of tools he has. Like, the raw power is off the charts. The bat speed, it's electric. And all it, all it takes right now is just for him to get a little more comfortable on the, on the uh, MLB level. I, I, think, I think there's something to that, but there's a lot of counterpoints. You know, when you mentioned guys like Lourdes Gurriel, and I'll throw Teoscar Hernandez out there too. You see these guys that sort of tweak their swings or they get sent down to AAA to sort of refine things, and it has been beneficial. Um, there are a lot of people out there, and I'm not going to reveal my hand just yet where I stand, but there are a lot of people out there on the Twitter sphere that are saying that Vladimir Guerrero Jr., because he's so young and because he's so impressionable, um, that he might benefit for, uh, from a trip to Buffalo. Um, what is your take on that? Do you think that has the potential to sort of ruin this kid and that we're just sort of rushing to that based off of what a handful of seven games? Or do you think mm, this might be the appropriate time to do it and I don't think there's any detriment to it? Where do you stand? Uh, I mean, I just don't think there's a re- really big point of sending him down right now. Like, we've seen what he was able to do in the minors. He lit up AAA pitching. Like, what we need him to do is to get the reps. Like, th- even though he's struggling right now, this is a learning curve. Like, this is something he needs, and hopefully he will take everything he's learned this year and translate it over into a better season next year. Like, he's not going to see the same breaking stuff in the minor leagues as he has in the major leagues, you know? Like, for example, I don't, I don't know the stat exactly off the top of my head, but he's struggling mightily against breaking stuff. Yeah. You send him down to AAA, he's got, he has really great plate discipline. He's going to see shitty AAA curveballs. He's going to let them go by for a, for a ball. Now he's ahead in counts, and now he get, just loads up for a fastball and just destroys it. We don't really need Vladdy to do that. I just, I just think that the, the Jays promoted him to the major league level at 20 years old. That means there's going to be these growing pains. And they knew it was like, you could guess that there's potential that growing pains were going to happen. So you just got to stick it out. There's talent there, and you just see all the talent that he possesses. I mean... He, he might he might turn it up in a couple of weeks. I hope he does, but you can just I just don't think it's really worth it to send him down right now. You just got to stick with him because this guy is a star and this he's your future. I think when it comes to a business standpoint, with how the Blue Jays went about the the service time manipulation or lack thereof, wherever you stand on it, um, when it comes to how they handled his uh, debut into the major leagues, they kind of can't afford to do it, right? And that's just in a business aspect. You can't afford to hype up the the arrival of Vladimir Guerrero Jr. so much so that there was a countdown on the MLB network that's pretty unprecedented. Um, you have these 
these flashes of greatness that you see that you mentioned. Um, I think that this would do the business side of the Blue Jays a complete disservice. I don't think they can afford to do this, especially with the season that's sort of lost and they know they're not competing for any postseason aspirations. You need people to have a reason to come to the ballpark. And right now, Vladimir Guerrero Jr., to a lot of people, is that main reason. When it Mm -hmm. comes to the intangibles, though, um, I do see the benefit of getting someone's confidence is bo- getting someone's confidence boosted by seeing AAA pitching and mashing it and being able to carry that over to the majors. Um, I do think that obviously there is a disparity between AAA talent and major league talent. In fact, the the jump is huge. Um, Mm -hmm. But I do think that Vladimir Guerrero Jr. is aware of that and just being in a position where he can regain his confidence and regain that swagger that you saw in the home run derby, it might be beneficial to him. Mm -hmm. I just, I mean, I I understand your point. I just think there's more of a benefit for him to learn on the major league level than for him to go down and crush it in AAA. Because I think there are things that he can learn here that he get, he just can't get in AAA, and I think just it just watching how he interacts with guys in the in the dugout, like he seems like a confident kid. Like I don't, I and the fact that the Jays continue showing confidence in him by running him out there, that that I think that is important because I think if a manager shows that he's confident in Vladdy and keeps putting him in the lineup. I think that confidence is always going to be there. And that being said, Vladdy's not the first top prospect to be called up and struggle in his rookie season. Like, I mean, Alex Bregman's one of the best third basemen in baseball. He came, he came up to Houston and he started his career off one for thirty-three. And AJ Hintz trusted him and just stuck him in the in the two hole, and he turned it up after a little bit. So I think with a guy like Vladdy, because of all the, everything he's got. Like all the tools that he has, I just don't think he be- he really gets anything out of AAA at this point. You know, didn't Mike Trout get sent down shortly after his call up as well? And if if that's true, I think it is. I believe it is. Um, if that's the case, th- this might be just a little knee jerk reaction by Blue Jays fans, right? Mm-hmm. We we were so hyped to see Vladimir Guerrero Jr. like kind of just take off. And, mm-hmm. you know, there was a lot of a lot of warnings out there th- from people in the know, I guess you could say, that were, were trying to calm and temper expectations a little bit to say, like, look, this guy is super talented, don't get me wrong, but there are very few individuals that step onto a major league field and mm-hmm. just take off and take yeah. over. Um, so maybe this is not an error in his play necessarily, although the numbers show that it isn't that great. Maybe this is an error in the way that some or most Blue Jays fans anticipated his arrival. Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I, th- I agree with that. I think we just had insanely high expectations of this dude. And the thing is with Vladdy, like, there, he still shook. Oftentimes, he still shows like a very good understanding of the strike zone. Obviously, he can get a little bit better, but every most of the times when he hits a ball, he connects. Like the the hard the hard hit rate is up. Like there's, I I mean, I just really think that they got to stick with what they have because of the business side of it, and just because like you got to temper expectations with kids. And this whole season was about going through the growing pains seeing what you have in your kids. And with a guy like Vladdy, I think you got to go with it. It's not like you're dealing with a Teoscar Hernandez or even a Lourdes Gurriel. 
I think Vlad- Vladdy is just a different animal, and they just kind of got to keep rolling with it. And hopefully he picks it up. Yeah. I hope he does. Yeah, I, I think that there isn't really much to fear when it comes to his development and what he's going to turn into. As you mentioned, he's 20 years old. Okay, to expect like 28, 27 year old production from a 20 year old, we need to pump the brakes a little bit. Exactly. And it's only been a, a tiny sample size after the home run derby. Right. And this, like, is obviously we expected him to hit 500 in the first, in the first half of the season. But I mean, he wasn't that bad. He wasn't what we expected, but he wasn't that bad in the first half, you know? No. No, for sure. And, you know, when you have that performance at the at the Home Run Derby, that is perhaps one of the biggest cock teases, right? It's almost oh, yeah. like, you know, like, oh, yeah. we're, like I said, emotionally we're down and we're needy of that, you know, th- that attention in Toronto. Um, and Vladimir Guerrero Jr. sort of swoops in and saves the day. And now it's sort of slumpish. So, like, I, I think it's a combination of things. We sort of need to take a step back and breathe and yeah. say everything's going to be okay. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And as tough as the season has been for the Blue Jays and for the fans, I think you have to take these little, little things and just see what it means for the team's future. Like, for example, Lourdes Gurriel, horrible start to the season, went down to the minors, comes back up, and over the span of a month, he looks like a dude who's very capable in leading an entire offense. Oh, yeah. Right? Like, with a guy like Gurriel, it's kind of tough to really understand who he, like, what he is going to be over the span of, like, a 162-game season because we... You saw him last last year with the with the hit streak, and then this year with that really really hot month and a half, and then on the flip side we see him just really really bad, right? And then look at a guy like Kevin Biggio, professional at bats all the time. Danny Jansen improved behind the plate, and that's so so important. Like the way he frames behind the plate, that has improved greatly since last season. Now the and now the hit the hit tool is starting to show as well. So I think because this is more of a developmental year than a year to compete, you have to take these little things into account and just see that there's so much potential in these young guys. And just we can't, we can't just sit on all the bad. We have to look at the good and just see the upside of what we have. This is the Overtime Podcast Network. Well, to sort of couple that, I want to talk about the missing link here in the youth system. Uh, let's talk about Bo Bichette because the, he made quite a bit of noise uh, recently regarding the lack of an appearance on a major league roster. Um, put it bluntly, he's not happy. The, the path to the major leagues for him, it should have been clear and right in front of him. He should be on a major league roster right now. Um, however, recently on Sportnet, Sportsnet, rather, he was pretty vocal in saying that he's just pissed off about the, the situation. Um, the quote, yeah, I've done everything they asked me to do. I performed. I put up numbers. I've gotten better offensively, defensively, base running as an athlete, as a teammate everything they've asked me to do. I've done for the past three years, I've done it well. So if I'm not ready in their mind, there's something new that they need to tell me and that I need to get better at. Um, that's pretty bold for a AAA talent, no matter how highly touted he is, to sort of put your team or your future team sort of on blast. And I I admire the balls. I do. Um, so I want to I, I kind of love it. Yeah. It's, I kind of love it. 
It's pretty yeah. great that he's been doing it. Where, where do you stand on the lack of a boba shit on this team right now? Well, first of all, I, I just love I love that quote because if you're raking in the minors and you're a top prospect, you hate being down there. Yeah. Like I want my top prospects who are raking to get pissed off. I want them to want to be on the biggest level of baseball. So him saying that kind of stuff, I don't think he he's really blasting the Blue Jays front office. I think it's more so that like he wants to be here, which is a really good sign. Because I think a guy like Bo Bichette can realize that there's just not enough space for him right now on the roster to play every single day. And it's more important for him to play every single day than to get regular at-bats with Freddie Galvis and Eric Sogard in the mix. And even, I mean, Brandon Drury as well, because he's still there, right? <laughs> but, I mean, I, I love it. Um, I, for, I forgot your question, but I, I think what Bo Bichette says is really, really cool. And I, he's, he's going to get a shot at some point. And I think you have to consider, if you're Bo Bichette, and just Toronto fans in general, he struggled when he made the jump to AAA last year. So going into this season, nobody really expected him to just be this good this quickly. Nobody expected him to be just ready to go for the, ma- for the major league spotlight mid-season, you know? Like, my, me, myself, like, I thought he, it was going to take about a year, and then he will join the team the, either in September or the following season. But, I mean, he's been raking. And the dude also, he broke his hand earlier in the season. And came, he's come back and he's still raking. So I just think nobody really expected him to blow up like this. So at this point, it's just a waiting game. The Jays just have to clear up space for this dude. I was under the impression that they were going to do the same service time manipulation bullshit with both that they did with Vlad. Um I don't know that they can afford to do that right now. And I think you made uh, the proper point when you mentioned that there's just not enough space for him on this roster right now. Um, you have an Eric Sogard on the team. You have a Freddie Galvis on the team. That pretty much logjam shortstop, Freddie Galvis in particular. Um, these are everyday players right now. And as much as a surprise Eric Sogard has been for this team, uh, Freddie Galvis was sort of penciled in to that spot since the beginning of the year. Um, but when you have a guy in your minor league system hitting a line of, and I had to double take at this. So since coming back from his hand injury in triple a, all right. So since June 13th, uh, 331, 385, 573, with an OPS of 958. That is outstanding. That is very, very good. And when you have a losing ball club like the Blue Jays do right now, you need to search for reasons not to bring him up. Yeah, that kind of sounds like my beer league numbers. That's pretty. <laughs> that's that's pretty impressive. And I, I'd like to point out that in beer league, I also drink a bunch of beers before going out and doing that. So I mean, Bo Bichette should probably still wait a little bit longer. But I, I completely agree. I think the situation was completely different with Vladdy. The reason they kind of tried to manipulate service time was because they didn't really know what was going to happen with Guriel, what was going to happen with Teoscar Hernandez, Telez, and Danny Jansen. And nobody thought Biggio was going to be up by now, like as early as he as he came up. But right. I think now that the Jays see what they really have in their young guys, I think it's important to find a way to get Bichette into the mix for them to just get all into that onto the MLB level, start learning about the MLB game, 
just work out the kinks, go through the growing pains. And then come 2020, maybe a Nate Pearson comes up as well. And then just really see where you stand at that point. Like maybe go into free agency and get a couple of good arms um, and really start focusing on competing again. We're going to unpack the trade deadline a little bit more in a bit. But when it comes to the front office and, like I said, how they have handled their prospects and how they have handled uh, past trade deadlines as well, um, it's not that great, right? It, it's okay. You do have trades and you do have call-ups that have worked out, mm-hmm. right? Lourdes, Cavan, yeah. um, as you mentioned, um, Danny Jansen. Like, these have worked out. Um, but... When it comes to what they have, when it comes to the assets that they have to trade away, do you get the sense, in a philosophical sense, with, when it comes to this team, do you get the sense that there's more urgency to try to move the Eric Sogards or the Freddie Galvises out to make room for a bow? Or do you think there's more urgency to keep them on the team to let Bo develop a little bit more so they can sort of hold on to him until next year for the service time reasons. Um, I think at this point, Bo is as ready as he can ever be. Like you watch him play the way he hits the ball. The arm looks legit at shortstop. Like um, there's been questions about, about Bo's future at shortstop over the past couple of years, but I think he's proven over the past few months that he belongs at short on a next level. Um, I think, like personally, I love a guy like Freddie Galvis. I think he's so important to any team just because of what he provides defensively. Like as bad as the Jays pitching has been, like Freddie Galvis helps us go from like a trap a trash can to like very bad, you know. And that's like he's still really important. But I think a guy like Eric Sogard, and I feel like the market for a guy like him is going to be really small and but you got to find a way to move one of them. Like I would, I would hate to lose a guy like Freddie Galvis. I think it would be great to have a Boba shed, just play alongside him. Like maybe um, swap between second and short over the rest of the season. But I mean, Eric Sogard, as great of a story as he's been the first, what 90 games of his tenure with the Jays. I just, he just doesn't fit here. Like right now he's just holding a spot that should be for Bo. And I think it's just going to be very important to try to find any way to move him away from there. You really think there's not a big market out there for a guy like Eric Sogard right now, especially like competing teams with the the trend and utility players being super valuable. You don't see like a market opening up opening up for a guy like Sogard. Well, it's it's really all about like do you do you believe in that bat? Because he's never really been known for a guy to really hit throughout his career there's not a ton of power in that bat as well he's not a great defensive player he can play multiple positions but he's not like ex- excellent at those positions it's right. not like a marvin gonzalez or freddie galvis that you can just put them anywhere and he just has all these defensive tools that can help a team right i think eric sogard is the type of guy that pretty much every single team has it's just phenomenal that Eric Sogard's hitting like 300. And the one thing that is interesting with a guy like Sogard is he doesn't swing and miss. Yeah. He makes contact. And that should be appealing. I just, like, what can you realistically get for a guy like Eric Sogard who doesn't really have a ton of tools that, like, he's, I can fully see him drop in batting average this season. Like, his bat pip is up. Right. So yeah. 
it's it's really a question of what you can really get for him, and I don't think you can get that much. With a guy like Freddie Galvis, you can get a lot more just because of the value he provides on defense. And because of the boom of analytics and how important defensive analytics are, teams understand how valuable a guy like Freddie Galvis is right now. And he and plus he has more power in that bat as well. And he's a switch hitter. Guy like a guy like um, Eric Sogard, like you don't really see it, you know. I think something that is very attractive about Eric Sogard that Freddie Galvis is lacking is the contract. Like Sogard's contract is super fucking cheap, and I do think that like teams would be super. Uh, ripe for that like they they want to be able to get a decently uh, a decent player that can they they can utilize on the cheap right and you're probably right he's 66 games for eric sogard he's batting 300 just about it's 299 um i don't i don't anticipate that staying there in fact it's definitely going to dip but it wouldn't surprise me if he finished the year like 250 and I don't even think that's bold right now I think he's pretty much grounded in that right now and that he can especially if he gets traded in a in a hitter friendly ballpark I think he can do some damage and you're not going to get a top 100 guy for an Eric Sogard but if you can get like some decent pitching depth I call it a win yeah that honestly the, the I completely agree with you like I don't even think that the Jays necessarily need a top prospect for a guy like Eric Sogard. They win by just creating that space for Bo Bichette. And if right. they can trade a guy like Eric Sogard for maybe a bullpen arm that can just eat innings this season on a major league roster, I think that helps because the Jays have been struggling mightily on that side of the ball. So if I, I think that should be the key for the Jays. Like I don't think we really need another prospect for a guy like Sogar. I think it's more so important to get someone who can eat innings and get Bo Bichette up. Yeah. Yeah, and you know when you spoke on the value of a, of a guy like Galvis on this team, um, you know not just the way he performs and the defensive upside that he has. There's also the aspect that he's a good mentor for guys, yeah. like, for the young guys, and not just like in in the same realm of like being Spanish speaking that could help Vladimir Guerrero Jr. out. I know that was like a topic that they attached to Kendris Morales when Vladdy came up about how he, uh, Vladdy Sr. wanted Jr. to hang out with Morales a lot and learn from him. Um, mm-hmm. But, you know, Galvis is really taking it into like a guy like Jansen as well and a guy like Rachuk. Like the, he is being that veteran presence in the locker room. And, I, and I'm not saying Sogar doesn't have that, but it just seems like Galvis is uh, exhibiting that a little bit more and a little bit better, and he may be a little bit more relatable to the young guys on the team. Yeah, and there's a lot of things, like you said, with Galvis that don't, don't really show up on the stat sheet, and that just shows how important he is. Yeah. So I, I completely, my thinking is you have to try to move Sogard first over a guy like Galvis, but I mean, if the trade deadline comes and you're prioritizing promoting a guy like Bo Bichette, at that point, you just got to kind of realize that who, what's more important for you this year. Is it having a guy like Freddie Galvis or is it having Bo Bichette up and getting those major league reps? You know, this is the Overtime Podcast Network. All right, let's get into uh, some trade talk. And the biggest target on the Blue Jays team right now is uh, Stroman. And uh, <laughs> it's very amazing it makes me cry yeah okay so this is perfect all right good so you're in that camp and i love it so 
Like I mentioned before, there's a track record from this front office that they aren't really great at trading their top tier players, right? And this yeah. is sort of serendipitous that you and I are talking about this because you and I had the Pilar episode earlier this season. Um, and the return, we can't really evaluate it yet because we haven't seen that pull through in its entirety just yet. But you, you, Socrates Brito, not that great. But like Hanson, not yeah. that great. But, but then again, Kevin Pilar was not that great. Right, right. But... You look at guys like Jay Happ and Donaldson, and the return from them had been kind of underwhelming. Whether or not you think McKinney and Drury are like these awesome players or not, or they're suitable, um, you kind of think that you would expect them to get a little bit more. Um, mm-hmm. I fear that the front office putting themselves in a position where their attitude is, well, we have to trade them now and just mm-hmm. take take whatever they can get for them. Um, I don't know that that's the appropriate mindset. I, I know there's a lot of damage done right now, and the, the feeling amongst the fans, and not just the fans, Marcus Stroman himself, is that he's done as a Blue Jay. Um, I don't know. Do you think the curtains are up for the Stro Show, or do you think that if if the return isn't good enough, do you have faith in the front office that if the return isn't good enough, they're not going to move him? Yeah, I, I, I completely agree. I, I don't think they're going to move him if the return isn't good enough. I think it's difficult to compare a guy like Stroman to the Donaldson case and the Jay Happ case because Jay Happ, yeah, he was he was pretty good with the Jays, but expiring contract, few more starts. There's that's really what the market was. And the Jays got like a top twenty prospect in Billy McKinney for him. Right. And with Josh Donaldson in hindsight, we the Jays probably should have traded him in the offseason before before the year they traded him. Yeah. Right. But Nobody thought he was going to get injured. The Jays probably had aspirations to compete for one more year, right? And at that point, the, uh, the, like Josh Donaldson was struggling, expiring contract. Nobody really knew what he could really produce. So the Jays just had to do something to move him, right? And hopefully the guy they got for him pans out. But in terms of Marcus Stroman, he's been pitching really, really well. And he's not an expiring contract guy because he's still under team control next year. And it's a really good team-friendly contract as well, right? So I think the Jays can be a little more selfish with a guy like Stroman. Personally, I, I think the Jays need to keep Stroman. I'm in the extend Stroman camp because I think he's been great. I think he's a phenomenal pitcher. I don't think he's a number one on a, on a team that can compete, but I think he's a really good number two and an excellent number three guy. And at this point, if you look at the Jays, like we have about 60 games left and nobody's eating it innings outside of Marcus Stroman. So yeah, we trade Marcus Stroman. Let's say we get two top prospects out of him, but what are we going to do for the remaining 60 games? Who's going to eat our innings, you know? And that's important. And I think Stroman has shown one, that he's a reliable pitcher when healthy. I think he's a good pitcher when healthy. And he's kind of embraced being that clubhouse leader. He loves being in Toronto. He loves being in Canada. But every time you hear someone like, for example, Ross Atkins comes on the radio and somebody asks him, hey, are you committing to a guy like Marcus Stroman long term? And Ross Atkins just says, we love what, what Marcus Stroman's doing for this team. We love his attitude. Like, it's fine that you don't have to talk about the contract situations, but the fact that they don't mention that we want to see Stroman in a Jays uniform for a long time just shows that they're probably looking to trade him. 
I just think at this point, the Jays kind of need the pitching. And I think they need someone who's at least established to help bring in the young guys for years to come. Yeah, you look at the rotation that is, you know, pretty much projected for 2020. And it's kind of like, eh. <laughs> right now, if say if Strowman goes, you have Barucky, Thornton, Shoemaker, if he can come back healthy, probably a Waggus pack and a Zoic. So, like, I, I, sure, like, that's not a solid five. It's just not it's sexy a bunch to me. Of unestablished guys going yeah. into a 162 game season, and you're just like, fuck, how are we going to get these innings? Like, I, I think what a lot of people aren't talking about over all-star weekend is how electric nate pearson was in the futures game and he's a guy who should be ready by next year barring any injury okay so hopefully we can add a guy like nate pearson into the rotation and that could be a reliable arm i think trent thornton has been pretty good this season um he shows that he has strikeout stuff he has really good stuff actually so you can be confident that he can provide you something next season i mean do you trust a guy like Aaron Sanchez at this point? No, he looks like a shell of what he was a few years ago. And after that, there's really nothing. Like Sean Reed Foley looks like a guy who's destined to be a reliever. You don't really know what you have in Ryan Barucki coming off an injury. You, I mean, I'm not a big fan of Thomas Pannone. I just think his stuff sucks. And especially in the American League East, he would just get bludgered, which is what happened today after four good innings, you know? Yeah. So... I think it's just important for the Jays to have someone there just kind of like a, it's just comfortable to have a guy like Stroman there and Stroman's still a really good pitcher. And here I'll, I'll ask you this question. The Jays are top five, like their, their farm sister ranks top five in major league baseball, anywhere you look Yep. at some point, you got to realize that like, we can't just keep acquiring prospects. The Jays have so many prospects. They have more prospects right now than they will know what to ever do with, right? Like, you see Vladdy, Biggio, Guriel, Jansen, Pearson's going to come up. Patrick Murphy's eventually going to come up. TJ Zoic is going to be hopefully a pretty solid back-of-the-rotation guy. At some point, you're going to need some of these younger prospects to turn into trade chips. Yeah. Because when you're ready to compete you have to be able to trade these guys at the deadline for to acquire guys like, say, Max Serger, because I, I think he's awesome, right? <laughs> so I think just having that, having Stroman there is, you, I, I think they, it's more important to them to have somebody there who's good and reliable than getting some more prospects who aren't established. And, you know, like, they have so many good prospects. What's a, I love Gavin Lux with the Dodgers, but like he's probably unmovable, but like, what are you gonna get by getting a guy like him? You already have Bichette coming up, right? Right. It's just at some point you gotta say enough acquiring prospects. We we have something special here. We have Strowman who can be a good veteran around these these kids. Let's start looking at competing. There was a time that my attitude, and I'm sure this isn't really any different from other Blue Jays fans out there. My attitude before everything that went down with the blister with Aaron Sanchez is the Blue Jays are going to have to make a decision where they have to keep one. You're not going to be able to keep both of them. Um, And I was leaning towards Aaron Sanchez because, and I still do believe this in a vacuum, right? If healthy, I believe that Aaron Sanchez has better stuff than Marcus Stroman, right? And, but the, the the injuries has plagued him, and it doesn't seem to be any turning back. Um, 
So having said that, we're going to assume that Aaron Sanchez is out of the equation. Sure. The list that I gave you, right? And we can put Pearson in there and take away whoever you want. Let's take away Waggis Pack just for the fuck of it. Right? So you got Barucky, Thornton, Shoemaker, Pearson, and Zoic. Not in that order, just those five guys. Um, of those five, the, the one that I have the most confidence in, in terms of his poise, in terms of past performance, is a guy coming off an ACL injury. And I don't uh-huh. think you can do that, right? That's not taking anything away from Pearson. I think Pearson will be great, but it's still unproven talent at the major league level. Exactly. Whereas Shoemaker has come out this year and he was on fire. And there's, I'm just happy. That, I don't want anybody to get injured, but I'm relieved that it's not anything to do with his arm and it's just a leg injury that has been, over time, scientifically easier to heal and come back from. So yes. when you have these five pitchers, that's not sexy. That's not competing. If you have a Stroman there and you take away a Zoic, say, yeah. now I'm a little bit more confident, right? I, but the problem is, is that you said that this guy is the number two, and I agree with you. At worst, he's the number three. At best, he's the number two. Mm-hmm. Um, they're going to have to pay him like a number one. And that is what scares me when it comes to this front office because there's been no indication that they are willing to spend yeah. big money on big talent. Mm-hmm. Like... It's it's really going to come down to: Are you ready to offer a one hundred million dollar extension to Stroman this offseason? If the answer is a no, you have to trade him. But if you if the answer is a no and you got to trade him, then you better fucking have a really good idea of what to do after that. Right. And you better have a plan for the offseason of bringing in legitimate arms and putting them around young pitch young players, young pitchers, young hitters because. It's it's cool that the Jays suck right now, but you don't want these young players to be around losing every single year. You want them to develop winning habits, and they're not going to develop winning habits when you come out and you give up eight runs a game, right? Especially with this young talent being in such like a winning environment every single level except for this one. Exactly. And I think that I just think the Jays have done everything really well in terms of how they brought up these young guys. You just can't fuck up at the finish line. Right. And I think also what's important to, to look, see what this Jays team is the Jays have usually struggled to attract big name free agents. Especially like even when you look back at 2015 and 2016, the Jays struggled to get those big names. Like Dexter Fowler was a name that the Jays were interested in, but then he just moved on to the St. Louis Cardinals. Right. I think the, a big reason why that is, is because if I'm a big name free agent and I'm 28 and I'm trying to get a paycheck and I'm trying to compete, I look at the Jays of 2015 and go like, okay, Jose Batista's in, uh, getting old, Donaldson's getting old, Encarnacion's getting old, their contracts are about to expire. Their window to compete is closing. There's like a year left there. But now if I'm a if I'm say I'm 26, 27, I'm a big shot free agent, and I'm looking to compete, and I'm looking to get paid. Why not a team like the Jays? I I think the Jays have never been in a situation like this where they have so much young talent that it looks like it's going to be really, really good, and it looks like it's going to be able to compete for a really long time, and they're going to have cap space. I think this is good. Like this coming off season and the following off season, that's going to be so critical for. The Jays front office to just go balls to the wall with top name free agents, especially pitchers. They have because to. 
Exactly, because if you can't if you can't attract a big a big star arm, like this isn't going to work out. You need to get legitimate starters because and like we've seen as Jays fans, innings don't grow on trees. And I don't want to get another like one year of Marcus Estrada post back back injuries that crushed him. You know? Yeah, yeah, and that's that's the thing, right? You're right historically Toronto isn't like a, a free agent destination mm-hmm. when it comes to any sport really. And that's not shitting on the city. It's just like the, the dynamics of the sports market in there. But you know, you look at a guy like Russell Martin, for instance, right? And everybody loved Russell Martin, you know, Canadian kid coming home to play for the Jays. Let's not forget, the Jays had to throw in an extra year, right? They had to get that fifth year in or else he was going elsewhere. And I think that if if that's the case, if that's the trend that we're going to see with free agents and their conditions, shall we say, coming to Toronto is that you got to overpay. I'm sorry, I don't have faith in this front office that they'll do that. You know, I don't have faith that they're going to shell out the money and shell out the years and they're going to play this in in such a conservative way that they're going to say, no, we're not willing to spend that much. Because this is let's not forget, this is a front office that has two people literally on the books next year, guaranteed. Uh, they have Graychuck and Lourdes. That's it. That's all they have for guaranteed contracts. And yeah. if, if, if that's any indication, like, what are we doing here? Are we going to spend money and try to compete and push this young core? Or are we just going to like sit around and wait for the young core to develop and keep our fingers crossed to hope that we have this sort of Houston thing blossoming in Toronto? Yeah, but even with the Houston thing, like they went out and they got themselves guys like Justin Verlander. They went out and got themselves guys like Garrett Cole. Eventually, you when you see if you see that there's something special here in your young core, you got to start adding to it with the big name guys on free agency. And if that takes an extra year and an extra little bit of money, you got to do it because it's so difficult to compete in this game. You just got to do it. Like the thing you said with Russell with Russell Martin, yeah, we gave him an extra year, which which kind of changed his mind and had, and helped him decide on the Jays. Dexter Fowler. He was close to signing with us for four years. Right. And then the Cardinals came in and gave him a fifth year. That's just how it works, you know? If a team offers offers you more money and more term, he's, you're going to sign with them. That's how getting a free agent works. And I think we are thinking is that we just never get big-name free agents because we get outbid. Yeah, so you just kind of got to you kind of gotta go for it. If the Jays believe in what they have, then at some point you're going to have to spend money at some point, you're going to have to take risks. If you're not willing to take risks in pro sports or in any other business, you're not going to be successful. And the Jays are coming to that point where they're going to have to roll the dice and spend on maybe a guy like Stroman. If not Stroman, then you better fucking have a plan to bring in somebody good and somebody legit who can kind of carry our, our young starting rotation for the next two, three years until a guy like Nate Pearson or Patrick Murphy just establish themselves, you know? That's my fear, is that the plan is Pearson. My, th- that, or Murphy. Like, I don't, I don't think Murphy's by any means a, t- a front-of-the-rotation guy. He's no, m- no. mostly in the middle. But that's my fear, is that they're relying on the Nate Pearsons of the Blue Jays, or Nate Pearson in particular, to be the saving grace in this pitching staff. Look, and everything Pearson has shown in the minors is that he is more than capable to start on the major league level right now. Like he is 
by by far probably one of the most electric arms in the minors other than maybe Forrest Whitley of the Astros who's been kind of hurt this season you know so I think the Jays are very confident that he's going to be that guy but they can't just wait you know like the, you can't you have to see if they think he's that guy you can't just wait around until he ha- has one year under the, under his belt and then like okay we have some guys here let's go for it like if there's a big name on the market this upcoming offseason, I can't think of one right now off the top of my head, and you think that's going to be a key piece to bringing a championship to the Jays, you got to sell them on what's here. And I think even using the Toronto Raptors, like look at how the country kind of came around the Raptors. That's exciting. The Jays are the only team in Canada, right? Right. Everybody loves them here if they, com- if they compete, if they win. Sell them on that. Sell them on Vladdy. Sell them on on Bichette. Sell them on 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 Nate Pearson. There are not many teams out there who have a core like the Jays that is just ready to all come up to the major league level, and that should be exciting for a top notch free agent who wants to get paid and wants to win. You know, it this isn't mentioned enough, and it just sort of dawned on me when you when you were talking about this. Um, we had these all-in moves by Alex Anthopoulos in 2015, especially in the midseason. Mm-hmm. Um, and I think he largely made those moves is because he's, he was anticipating his exit from the Blue Jays organization. And yeah. it's sort of like, fuck it, someone else's problem now. Ha, peace, two fingers gone, right? Yeah. Both Atkins and Shapiro have one more year, right? In 2021, they are not guaranteed to be any part of this Blue Jays front office, at least contractually. Mm-hmm. Who's to say that they don't have the same attitude? And look, I'm for that attitude. I love all-in moves. I love gambles. Who's to say that they're not going to have the same attitude of, last year as a Blue Jay, fuck it. Let's just go. Let's just push the chips in and go. I would love to see it. I mean, if ownership gives them that money, then why not? Like, right. I know a lot of people kind of shit on, on Shapiro and Atkins, but... Shapiro has built a really, really impressive resume in his time in the MLB. Like, he's been excellent with what he did with the Cleveland Indians, you know? I just think the Jays haven't been at that position where they can just logically spend, just throw out money to people, right? Because, like, last season, they were struggling with Tulo's contract. They were struggling with moving Donaldson. They were struggling with Russell Martin's contract. Like, the Jays were never really in that position to spend, right? And this coming offseason is going to be something very new. And I think for the first time in their tenure with the Jays, they have that opportunity, opportunity to really show what they can do. Because what Alex Antopoulos did before he, before he left, he looked at the Blue Jays. Their run differential, even though they were right around 500, was insane. Right. Like the Jays should have been much better than their record suggested. So at that point, you got to believe in that. and and sell off some prospects for a chance to win. Because that's really how, specifically baseball, that's how the game works. If, you're, if you think that you're close to getting to the playoffs, you have to start unloading some prospects to get those stars, like a David Price and a Tula Witsky, to get you over, top, over the top. And then once you get to the playoffs, it's kind of like, you got to be a little lucky, you got to get on a hot streak, and hopefully you win. Right? That's how baseball always works. When you yeah. get, when you get to, a po- uh, to a point where you can compete, Always, in every situation, you have to give up prospects. Like the Chicago Cubs, they gave up Labor Torres, right? And they got Araldis Chapman, who was huge for them. 
right? The Jays gave up a bunch of guys for David Price. For David Price, the Astros gave up a bunch for for their championship run. That's how it works, and that's the beauty of baseball. That there's the July two signing period where you can get a bunch of sixteen year olds out of the Dominican. There's the June draft where there's forty picks per team. Yeah. There's that you can just build your 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 you kind of you can just regenerate your entire farm system again. Like the turnover isn't doesn't take a long time if your scouting department and your, your player development department doesn't suck. And the Jays have shown that it's not bad, right? So, yeah, that's really how baseball works. Yeah, no, I agree with you. It's it's not a matter of whether or not I think they will. It's a matter of whether or not I have faith in their trading abilities, right? Like, again, yeah. I'm all in for all-in moves, right? Like, push my chips and that's fine. Mm-hmm. But historically, and I know what people are going to say in response to this. Historically, Atkins and Shapiro have not been that kind of uh, entity. They have not operated in that philosophy. And I know a lot of people are going to respond to that by saying, well, look, before Alex Anthopoulos went all in, he too didn't have a track record of going all in. Right. So like, who's to say? Right. I, I I totally get it. But I don't know, man, like you can only deal with the bird in hand, right? And when it comes to being frugal or when it comes to like scouting really good talent in other people's system and, and making trades and acquiring that talent, I have all the faith in the world when it comes to Atkins and Shapiro. But when it comes to them really pushing the chips in, like what evidence do we have other than what, CeCe in, in Cleveland? That's it. Like what do, what do we have that we, as evidence to show that, no, these guys are capable of making really big splash moves that work out well the tough thing with cleveland is that you're dealing with a really small small market and you just can't really judge the market in toronto is completely different than it is in cleveland and like you said you trust atkins's atkins and sapphire with how the team drafts and how they develop players well that's step one and two you scout you draft then you develop right then so you trust them do you trust them to carry out steps one and two. We haven't really seen them do step three because the team wasn't ready for it. So I don't think it's a matter of trust. I think it's more so that you're a big Jays fan and you haven't really seen them do it yet, so you're just kind of worried, right? Like, the Jays have never really had that opportunity with Shapiro and Atkins to just really go all in just yet. Right. You know, so I think you just have to be patient. And hopefully... Hopefully things pan out because they have built a really good foundation here with their young players. Yeah. And I mean, here's a question for you. What do you think the Jays should do with Stroman right now? I think they should hold on to him. Like there's no point in trading him away unless you're getting like my, you have to be greedy, right? You yeah. are in the driver's seat when it comes to this. And if I'm Atkins, let's just say he's on the phone making the deals. If I'm Atkins, I'm saying, I want your number one pitching prospect at the AAA level right now. And if they say no, be like, okay, man, two fingers, peace. Like, that's you don't have to have them. We'll have them for another year. There is no rush to trade them. And I'm trying to understand and wrap my head around why do we have this preconceived notion that it's inevitable that he's gone. Like, why? What is the reason? And here, here's the thing with Stroman. Like, if I'm a team that's trading for Stroman, I am 100% certain that this is the piece that I need to win a championship this year. Right. Because, like I, like I brought up how the Cubs traded one of the best prospects in baseball 
for two months of Veraldis Chapman. Yep. Like this wasn't even like a Jeff Hoffman situation or a Matt Boyd situation because right. those guys weren't like elite by MLB pipeline standard. Like you trade a guy like Glaber for two months, you're focused on winning. And that's and Aroldis Chapman pitches three outs. Marcus Stroman pitches eighteen, you know? And he has an extra year after this year. So right. they can literally rob a team's farm system for a guy like Stroman. And they have to be selfish with him. Like, if that's what a guy like Araldis Chapman is worth, we have an all-star who can provide more than a guy who can pitch three in, uh, who can pitch three outs, you know? Yeah. So that means you got to take a bunch of top prospects. Like the, how I brought up um, the Dodgers with Gavin Lux. Gavin Lux is a raking in AAA. And the Dodgers seem like they're just one arm away from just really, really being legit because Rich Hill is hurt. But like for a Jays, I'm not just taking Gavin Lux. I'm taking a guy like Dustin May as well. If that's too much for you, and it might be for the Dodgers, well done, tough shit. Yeah. You know? Yeah. It's it's one of those situations that the Jays are in the driver's seat. And, yeah. you know, side tangent too, when it comes to Aaron Sanchez, like if you're going to trade him as well, be greedy because you have him for another year. And let's not forget, like you mentioned the the amount of pitches or the outs that a guy like Stroman can, can utilize for a team. When it comes to the postseason, all hands on deck, dude. This could be a solid relief pl- uh, reliever out of your out of your pen or an opener. It doesn't really matter. He could close the game for fuck's sake. Like it doesn't really matter how to utilize guys in the postseason. That you can sort of ut- utilize them in different ways. And I think that um, Marcus Stroman in particular would be down for fucking anything because he's super inclined to win. He has that killer instinct when it comes to winning, and I think that's valuable when it comes to other teams. And like you mentioned the extra year of control so when it comes to the blue jays they have to be fucking greedy and if you're not getting x y and z literally on a whiteboard they should have a trade prospect in mind or a big league player on every remaining 29 teams and they should be like if we're not getting this it's a big x move on and that's that's the thing man like unlike with donaldson and how the jays have all the leverage right now they're not up against a clock that, oh, shit, we don't trade this guy, he's gone. Stroman is yeah. here next season. And on top of that, like, let's say the Jays decide to keep him, and they're trying to lure in big-name free agents. While a lot of Jays fans, Jays fans hate that he shows emotion on the mound, which I don't know why that's a big deal, but Marcus Stroman is very well-liked around baseball. Like, dudes love him in the game. Yeah. So if you're trying to bring in a top-name free agent, chances are they're buddies with Stroman. Like, Marcus Stroman was on uh, the Starting Nine podcast with Barstool. I saw that, yeah. Yeah, dude, like, everybody loves this guy. You know, he's boys with, like, Mookie Betts. He's boys with David Price. They pitched, he's, he was on the WBC roster with literally half the studs in the MLB. Like, use that, you know? Like, hey, Strowman, we're going to be paying this guy in free agency X amount of money for X amount of year. We have Vladdy, we have Pearson, we have Bichette, we have Griel, we have Jansen. Literally one of the best cores, young cores in all of baseball. Can you help us out a little bit to just, like, be like, hey, you love, you love Canada. Kind of tell them about this country, you know? Yeah. yeah. Talk to them about the playoff run that we had in 2015, 2016, because nobody else has been here for that, you know? So... Uh, baseball man yeah it's like 
you show and and not to get into the Raptors talk right now because that's over, but like and it's been beaten to death. But like Marcus Stroman, I feel like is, is the type of dude to uh, if if he's trying to learn free agents or whatnot, one of his boys, he could be like, look, you see the video, the three hundred, sorry, the three million plus people at the parade for the Raptors. We could be bigger. And I, yeah. I really do think they can. I'm not trying to take anything away from the Raptors. The championship was amazing, and it's the first one that they've had since 1993 in terms of the city in Toronto. Um, it, it, I do think that the Blue Jays can generate a little bit more money out of the entire country and bring more interest into the sport. And having said that, if they are able to accomplish the ultimate goal by winning a ring, you could see that number at the parade eclipsing what the Raptors brought in. Yeah. There we go. Like, one of the reasons why I went down to the parade. Like, yeah, it's because the Raptors won, but it's also because I want Christian Yelich to be watching me there. Well, like, <laughs> this could be me with the Toronto Blue Jays in 2021. All right. <laughs> like, I, I, just, I just think that the Jays are in such an interesting situation right now that they just they don't have to sell. They don't have to be big sellers. They just have to find a way to get Bo Bichetta. And if that's moving Galvis or Sogar, fine, do that. But with guys like Stroman and Sanchez, you just don't really gain much from moving them. Like, you say the Houston Astros trade, give you pennies for a guy like Sanchez because he's been sucking. He's, he's going to go there. They're going to take his spin rate numbers, which are off the charts, fix his fastball, and he's going to be a dynamite pitcher out of the pen. And yeah. then we're just going to be sitting there on our asses going like, well, fuck, you know? So I think the Jays, with their pitching, just kind of stand pat. Look to get a... A nice arm who can get us a couple of innings, you know, with a guy like Sogard, with a guy like Galvis. We don't need prospects right now. We have so many. We yeah. have so many that we're probably going to be trading guys like Griffin Conine, um, guys like maybe even an Eric Perdino, if that's what we need to get, like a Justin Verlander. But realistically, you know, he's 17. Yeah. What if in two years we're on that level ready to compete and you need like a Justin Verlander type pitcher to get you over to top? Pardino's yeah, not going to be there. Yeah. So, you go. know. All right, well, let's get there first. They uh let's get into predictions. The Jays have six games coming up, three at Detroit, and then they come home finally for three against Cleveland. Um I think this Detroit trip is much needed for this team to sort of bounce back. Yep. I'm saying two out of three in Detroit. What say ye? Um yeah, let's go two out of three. They haven't won a series in a long time. Yeah. Fuck it. Yeah. Fuck it. <laughs> but reality is going to hit them against Cleveland when they come home. I'm saying they're only going to take one of those three. Yeah, that's, I mean, I'm, I'm trying to get tickets for one of those Cleveland games. So you'll get them. If I end up going, <laughs> if I end up going and they see me in the crowd, I think they're going to pull through and get two games there. Oh, okay. All right. I think, right. I, I think they can get like that Richard Burfer rub for that, <laughs> for that series. <laughs> Uh, I love it. And I don't think you're going to have any problem getting tickets, man. You know what? This is what I've learned. It always pays to get to like miss an inning of a game and just then go to the scalpers and be like, you can either give me that ticket right there for five bucks or you're getting jack shit. Yeah. Try it. Yeah, that's true. The only, the only issue there is I'm like an hour away, an hour and a half away from downtown Toronto. And one of my buddies is like two and a half hours. So like, you know, you're at his mercy. I got you. Tickets are pricey. Like we Still? don't want 500 level tickets. And if that's not, if we don't get 500 level tickets, like 
for a shitty team, they're pretty expensive. What? And yeah, like I'm looking at like fifty dollars U.S. for no. like one hundred, <laughs> two hundred level seats, and it's like really testing how much I love baseball. And realistically, I'm gonna get off this podcast with you and buy three tickets. <laughs> so just buy shitty seats and move. No one's gonna stop you. It's whatever. That that is true. Yeah. Maybe they want you on tv they want people in their lower level so it doesn't look so empty trust me they're not going to stop you um all right but let's wrap it up here um i'm glad we were able to talk baseball man it's been a while like i said since the plar trade we haven't had a baseball podcast but um you know the deal man you're a seasoned vet when it comes to the show promote any and everything you got going on where people can find you on twitter go for it man the floor is yours awesome well once again thank you for always having me on i love talking baseball i love talking raptors with you Oh, always available for your pod, man. Appreciate um, it. You can find me on Richard at Richard Burks on Twitter. Awesome. Tw- uh, I have an awesome Twitter feed. Everybody should check it out. Um, I just put up an article on rishapira.ca about the future of the Blue Jays. Check that out. Other than that, wrapping up grad school, I'm about to publish my first scientific paper in the next few weeks. And the plan is to defend my thesis in a month and go. start becoming an adult. <laughs> A gentleman and a scholar, because you will have a publicated, uh, a published, uh, what is it, a thesis, you said? That's um, fucking awesome. So it's actually, so I have my thesis paper, which is going to be published probably in a few months. But then over the past year, I've been working on a systematic review on what happens to pitchers as they accumulate fatigue throughout a season. So Jeez. that's an interesting read. It's not Perfect. too long. Yeah, yeah. Look, um, Well, I will link everything that you have uh, mentioned that I'm able to in the description of the show. I highly encourage everyone to check out the work. Follow Rich on Twitter. And, uh, dude, it's been a pleasure. We'll do this again soon. Take it easy. For sure. Go Jays. Thank you for listening to the South of the Six podcast. Don't forget to follow us on Twitter and Instagram at South of the Six and subscribe to our show. We're on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts, Stitcher, Spotify. Yeah, we're everywhere. While you're at it, if you liked what you heard, do us a solid and leave us five stars and a quick review. We appreciate it. Thanks again. Go Jays and Raptors. Raptors.